Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. All right. My voice is scrackly today. You're going to hear my conversation with Michelle Woodward, my monthly guest. She's returning, and we're going to talk about doing what you do best. I will circle back after the conversation and be back with you. Thanks so much for listening. Michelle, hello and welcome back. You sound so good. You know what they say, the show must go on. So here we are with my crackly voice. (laughs) Squeaky motokitis. That's what I'm going to call you all the rest of this time. Oh, squeaky. (laughs) That's fine. It's just the reality of life. And I know we could reschedule, but the way my calendar is looking, it's better just to to go with it at this point. (laughs) Plus, I get to talk to you. I mean, it's always great to just talk to you. It's fantastic. So you may be carrying it more today for us. I am willing to do so. Today we're going to talk about doing what you do best. Hmm. You know, it's so funny because I don't know if it's the Protestant work ethic or or what it is, but you know, people get this idea that what you should be doing is have your nose to the grindstone and you should be a slog. Work should be a slog. Life should be a slog. You know, you have this just grinding life. Uh, and then you die. (laughs) And like, do you ever see that? It's like people think things have to be a struggle and it has to be hard. And if you do play to your strengths, then you have to like amplify your strengths. So I went to Pilates today and, you know, so if you can do 20 crunches, you're even better if you do 40, even if the marginal impact of those additional 20 don't do anything for you. Mm Mm-hmm. But that comes back to like, what is enough? Right. That's what Jen Loudon, our friend Jen Loudon mm-hmm. has that conditions of enoughness, which is the idea that you set out before you even start something. You say, what is enough going to feel like? Whether you're going to a party, you know, buffet supper, how, what is enough going to feel like? Or you're starting a new job or you're going on a date or you're, you know, watching your kids swim, you know, swim. Meat. What do they call that? Swim, swim meat. meat. I, I, I knew you, I used to swim and there for a minute I could not f- remember. Was it a match? Was it attorney? What was it? Okay. But you know what I mean? It's like, what is the condition of enoughness? I, I have found over time that when I'm engaged in my life and my work at what I do best, I have better results. Um, and I, I feel more in my mastery. And that doesn't mean I'm not growing and I don't have a growing edge. It just means that I have a lot, it's a lot more effortless Mm. and it feels good. So first, then you have to know what it is that you do best. So you have to own that part of your strength, don't you? And we tend to discount the things that come to us easily. So what I've seen with clients and even in my own life is something comes to me easily and I think, well, God, everybody can do that. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and people say that nobody would pay me for whatever it is. Or, you know, of course, everybody I know can do the exact same thing. But the truth is, 
like in your swimming world, you know, you could say that everybody you know goes to nationals. Mm-hmm. So what a big deal. Mm-hmm. But actually, 95% of swimmers, competitive swimmers in the United States do not go. Mm-hmm. Right? And so why not own that you're in that 5%? That's awesome. As opposed to saying, well, no, you know, everybody goes. It's not a big deal. You know, I was just having this conversation with my daughter this morning, and it was about in, the having... I want to call it quiet confidence versus um, hustling for your worthiness and bragging and getting in people's face about it. And so she's really struggling. Well, I'm not going to say that because that's her story. But I think, and I know this with my clients, they really struggle with being arrogant versus being confident. And, And I think when we talk about, you know, playing to our strengths and owning our strengths, it's that, well, if I own my strength, then I'm going to be arrogant. But when you know what you're good at, it doesn't mean you need to stand on top of the rooftop and get in everybody's face and say, look at me, look at me. This is how great I am. You go about doing your day. Isn't that right? That's right. Yesterday, I did a a phone call with a woman who's in a coach training program. And her like graduation assignment was to talk to a working coach and, you know, ask some questions. And so she asked me some questions. And her final question was, is it possible to actually make a living as a coach? <laughs> I wonder I wonder where she got that question from squeaky motokitis. I think so. But uh and so, you know, I said to her, "Yes." I mean, and I told her how much I make. Mm-hmm. And I told her how much I've made for the last several years. And I didn't do it from a place of ego. And I think that's when you're talking about that quiet confidence mm-hmm. because I didn't didn't make any difference to me whether she approved or disapproved. What I was trying to do, I was coming from a place of let me share this information with you so you can put things into context. Mm-hmm. And then I said to her, so that we can talk about this number, and then realize, you know, there are business expenses and taxes that, that take up a significant percentage of this when you own your own business. Mm-hmm. But, but it is absolutely possible to do this. So I think like, you know, with your daughter, the quiet confidence is not that I, I'm not going to say I'm going to nationals. Or that I, you know, I won this weekend meet mm-hmm. um, from a place of please tell me I'm awesome. But in a, if she comes from a place of let me tell you what's going on with me, mm-hmm. what's going on in my life, there's such a different energy around those two approaches to talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it becomes it's so important because then you have confidence in yourself. And then the other side of it, and then we were talking about this was the growth mindset is if you can have the confidence in yourself, you're really owning your whole story. You're not just looking at those shiny moments. You're also recognizing, okay, maybe I'm going to nationals or, you know, this is the level of a business owner that I am, right? This is the income level I can generate or whatever it, whatever people are aspiring to in their personal goals or professional goals. But you also realize, okay, there is a mess on the way there or here is where I'm not so good at. These aren't These are the areas that I'm not so good at. And... And I think sometimes with arrogance, it's, oh, let's, let's, or the hustle for worthiness, it's let's discount that, that moment where I wasn't so stellar. Let's not, let's just pretend it never happened. Let's only identify over here. And I, cause I want to hear you say great things about me. Does that make sense? Are you tracking me? I'm totally tracking you, Squeaky. And <laughs> I told you, I'm going to do this the whole time. I'm going to call you Squeaky. Um, yeah. And I, and I think it is, you know, 
Debbie Ford's great work on, you know, owning your, your light side and your dark side. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us would love to stand in our light side and say, I'm going to nationals. Mm-hmm. You know, I make this kind of a living. You know, I drive a Tesla. I, I kind of would like a Tesla myself. But it like, because that's our light side, that's our accomplishment side. But real integration as a human being, real uh, equanimity as a human being is being able to, as you say, own that part that didn't go so well mm-hmm. and be as as confident about owning that as you are about owning the light side. Mm-hmm. And I think Debbie Ford's book, uh, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers, mm-hmm. is sort of a classic on that um, on that subject. There's also a book, I'd have to look it up, but there's another book that maybe we can um, just tag for people that kind of goes into the Jungian idea of, you know, what is the dark side? Uh, what is your light side? And how do you bring the two together? Because I, I think that's super important. The other, other thing is some of us have been trained and socialized to where we really can't see where we're standing in the light, where we are doing something really well. Either we've come up in a, a family of origin, you know, that is hypercritical or um, super driven you know, a variety of things, or we have, some of us have had extraordinarily successful parents. And so, you know, then what does a child do if they're going to outshine their parent? That's, that can be mm-hmm. kind of difficult for some, some kids. And so I think another aspect of this whole thing we're talking about is to have that, the kind of trusted advisors on your team who will shoot straight with you and say, no, as a matter of fact, you are really good at this. You know, when you say, oh, well, you know, it's just, oh, this old thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not really, you know, I mean, I would hope that somebody like Jennifer Lawrence has got two or three really good friends that she's had for a long time who can say, girl, you've been nominated for how many Oscars mm-hmm. in how many films? You are really good at this. So if you doubt you're not a good actor, let me just say you are good. Mm-hmm. I, I think, we, and I don't mean yes, men. You know, I don't mean just people are going to give you the big thumbs up all the time, but people who really can reflect back to you the thing that you can't see. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I, I think it's important. I think it's important to have people who will tell you the truth, who will show you, remind you of your strengths, and who are also willing to say, and look where you once were, or look how you move through this struggle. You know, I just had this conversation with an athlete uh, not too long ago. And I said, look at, look at the trajectory, look at what happened during this course of this meet and how you struggled and you could have stopped then and rolled over and killed over. But instead you really wanted to achieve this and you did. And she didn't want to acknowledge that, that one day of the meet. I was like, no, this is really important. You have to own your whole story and love yourself. We don't need to judge because we all have falling down moments. And that's, that's the key, but that's the Carol Dweck, which we so often come back to mindset of growth mindset, making the mistakes and going, what can I learn from this? And then having the people there that will also help you remember, because sometimes we forget, hey, look, here's what I'm doing really well. Here are my strengths. Because we forget about those too, because as we are striving for excellence, which is different than hustling for worthiness, as we are striving for excellence, because we want to grow and develop and we, we're learning, we sometimes forget about, oh, look at what I've achieved. Look at, look how well I've done. There's an exercise um, that was developed. <coughs> pardon me. Now I'm squeaking. <laughs> um, 
and I'm on the other side of the whole United States from you. Um, there's an exercise developed by the University of Michigan's business school called Reflected Best Self. And the idea behind the, um, the tool is that you identify people who are going to give you honest, open-hearted uh, kind of feedback. And the question you ask me, ask them is, will you recall a time and share with me the time when you saw me at my best? Mm. And, uh, and I believe the exercise has, you, you do that three times. So if I was asking you to do it, I might say, can you tell me a time when you saw me operating at my best? And you would answer that however you answered it. Is there another time you want to share another one and another one? So when the client or when you receive that, boy, it's like, wow, I'm getting feedback from people on when they have observed me operating at my best. And, and especially if somebody who's really hard on themselves, to see that, it can actually be very moving, very emotional to get that kind of very open-hearted, kind feedback. Because we often get criticism. You know, many of us get criticism all the time um, or self-critical all the time. And to have it specific instances, it's really, it's a remarkable, simplistic, but remarkable um, exercise. I love that. And if you can make sure you give me the, uh, the link to the name of the book, and if you have the link for that, and I'll put it in the show notes, that way the okay. listeners can go to those resources. Super. So I had that this week. I'm just going to say I, I had two people reach out to me this week. Remember in August of 2014, I did that um, webinar with the Harvard Business Review on dealing with bullies and toxic people at work. And it turned out to be one of the most popular webinars Harvard Business Review has ever hosted. And um, it was great. It was sad that it's such a big topic for so many people, but it, it turned out to be great. And I was so glad that so many people benefited um, from it. But twice this week, people reached out to me and said, just want you to know, I listened to that thing. I got on your newsletter and read your blog. And because of that webinar, I changed my job. I'm like, wow, <laughs> two people this week are telling me, you know, because of that work you did, I have changed my job and I'm so happy. It's like, it makes it made me just sort of sit back a little bit and go, I wrote that thing at, at my desk, sitting in my yoga pants, probably hadn't washed my hair. You know what I mean? No makeup on, just doing my thing. I did the recording, just like I'm doing this recording with you. Um, and to think that it impacted so many people, it really was kind of stunning to me. Well, Michelle you need to go and check out our iTunes reviews because your name has been put in in some of people's uh, reviews, right? They've talked about Michelle Woodward. And so, and then, or the emails that I get and they love these conversations that we have, it really can resonate. And that, and that's the thing is that I love about this show is, you know, I'm always amazed because I work so closely with my private clients and how the show can really help people and they, they're not working with us. Like we don't know their story, but they can take the nuggets from our conversations and go and apply it in their life. And I think that's just so cool. I mean, what other jobs give you that kind of opportunity? You know what I mean? It's, we're really, 
so, <laughs> pardon me, fortunate. I'm not crying. I really am not. I'm just coughing. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, you know, so I think regardless of what line of work you're in or if you're, you know, if you're a full-time parent or, you know, you're, you're caregiving to elderly parents or, or anybody, you know, to, to step back and say, because I chose to do this thing, I chose to do this good thing, here's the impact. You know, sometimes I even think I chose to hold the door open for that woman pushing the double stroller at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You know, that may be the nicest thing that happened to her today. Mm-hmm. Because we all know what it's like when you're pushing a double stroller. I mean, just speaking from my own, <laughs> you know. No, I mean, I think one of the ways that I changed the world is that when I go to the grocery store, I shop at this local grocery store that, that I love. And when I go there, I put my keep my phone in my pocket and I talk with the clerk and I talk with the, the person is put, filling the bags and I have conversations with them. And we walk out to my car and I talk with them. You know, I find out about them because I love connecting with people. That is that is one of my strengths. It may not be other people's strengths, but that's mine. So I decide why not do that? And I, and for me, that is just as important as the professional work that I do, my radio show, working with clients, running the Aqua Monsters. It's just as important to me. There's no paycheck that comes with it. It's just about how can I connect with other humans. And that's, you know, that also goes to your values. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, it's so important to connect and be connected. And, you know, if somebody was a more introverted soul, but they still wanted to be connected, you know, they might volunteer to clean up the database at the Boys and Girls Club, mm-hmm. you know, because that they're contributing, but they're doing it in their own way. Or they might volunteer to organize the the ribbons mm-hmm. at some sort of sporting event or whatever. So there's <laughs> some, you know, so many ways that you can help that you don't necessarily have to be, you know, very extroverted about it. No, there's great, like when you talk about ribbons, oh my gosh, the agony of ribbons, right, Or that I have to deal with, or needing somebody that can organize a file folder. So maybe they don't want to talk to people. But when an organization, like a youth team, when you can have a file folder that's organized and somebody's willing to do that, that's your way of changing the world and you don't have to talk to anybody, right? And and you can do that within your time frame that works. So there's lots of ways for you to make an impact, and it goes back again to knowing, to playing to your strengths, knowing what they are. And I think giving yourself permission to say, these are enough, my strengths are enough and they're good enough. And, and it doesn't have to be what Corinne does or Michelle does or your best friend, but what are yours and owning that and then doing your best. And creating crafting opportunities for you to be at your best. I mean, I've told this story before, and maybe I've even told it on your show, but when my kids were little, um, the school they went to had a fall fundraiser, and one, and it was called the Fall Festival, very, you know, creative name, but the Fall Festival, and one of the things they had was the Beauty Den, and the Beauty Den was the kindergarten classroom turned into a sequin, glitter, pink and purple palace. And one of the things a little girl could do in the beauty den, and I guess a little boy could too if he wanted, was get their nails polished. And so I was approached and asked if I would be one of the people who polished little children's fingernails. Mm -hmm. And I looked that person in the eye and said, I would rather take out the trash (laughs) 
I would rather run around and hand out tickets. I would be, I would be happy to do anything. I don't even do my own nails. Mm-hmm. So I would be the last person to do a little four-year-old wiggly four-year-old's nails. Mm-hmm. So I could have just gone with the flow and said, sure, I'd be happy to work in the beauty den, but I would have been unhappy. I would have been unpleasant and I would not have had a good result. So in that moment, when so just because someone's asking you doesn't mean you need to say yes. Sometimes the w- most wonderful thing to do is to say, not that, but this. Like I didn't say, I'm not doing anything with your stupid fall festival. <laughs> I said, uh, I, you know what? There are plenty other ways that I could help better. Like I'm a great troubleshooter. Mm-hmm. I'm a great problem solver. Let me walk around and if I see something where they need an extra pair of hands, let me jump in. You know, if the trash needs to be picked up, I'll do that. But please don't make me, please don't make me polish four-year-old girls' nails. That would be just horrifying. Do you, have you ever had that sort of experience? Uh, Yeah. When I, when my kids went to elementary school, you know, we have a huge value of giving back and being of service. And there's a huge call to join the PTA and I am not a good PTA parent. You know, I just do not do well in those kinds of meetings. So I I thought about that and there was the, well, this is what you should do, right? And I let go of that really quickly and I thought, okay, wh- how else can I help? How else can I give back to the school and what aligns with my strengths? Well, I like to work with kids. I asked the teacher, you know, I looked at what she needed help with and one was like the computer room was her scary place. I was in. That, you know, I could do that first a whole classroom of first graders. I'm in. So I did that for four or five years wow. and that was great. And then once my kids didn't need, their teachers didn't need as much help in the classroom. I then did more stuff at the district level. I was like on our gate committee or something. And I also made it a point of doing stuff that my kids weren't directly in benefit of. So it wasn't just, oh, let me serve me. And then after that, I went into, I did the strategic task force and I guess I'm apparently still on that. So I'll be going back in next month for, we're going to be doing some more planning for the, for the district. So those are ways that I can help and give back. And I'm not discounting. I think the PTA is really important. I just don't do well in that. My best self does not come out. And I was PTA president. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, and, but again, you know, by nature, I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I didn't run for the job. Actually, it's kind of a funny story, but so the, the woman who was supposed to be PTA president, her job, her husband got a job in New York. And so she called me one day and said, guess what? We're moving to New York. I said, but you're PTA president for next year. And she goes, no, I'm not. You are. I'm like, no, I don't remember that. She goes, no, I'm appointing you to take my job because I'm going to New York. And that's how I became PTA president. But you know, so so I think identifying what your strengths are, figuring out, you know, what is it that we value, that we value as a family, we, I value as an individual, as you said, community service, um, and then being really honest with yourself. It's not the the things that I'm good at that I, I should be good at. Like, I should be good at, you know, painting nails. I'm, I'm not. But, you know, if, if I lived in the struggle of I should be good at that, I would be actually a fairly unhappy person. So why not, like, what do I discount? What do I say, oh, everybody's good at that? And then how can I make that more of what I do every day? I I think those are excellent points. And the one thing I'll say is, and also look at your capacity, because I am a natural leader. And 
I lead with the team, obviously I'm leading them all the time, but my capacity, like how many units of energy do I have left over to lead other groups? Or do I want to be involved in another poli- you know, political situation or having the cross groups, right? Parents from both organizations and wearing too many hats. So for me, there's times that I'm like, okay, I have the capacity to be a leader in this situation. And in this situation, I do not, or I don't want to use it right now. I want to just go in and do something at a different level. And I think that's such a great point. It's also when you're a leader, it's also great to be led. <laughs> yes. You know, to be like, I'm a teacher. I, I teach all the time. And yet when I can sit as a student to another person who's teaching, I have a rich experience. And so, you know, it's like knowing your strengths, but also knowing when my plate is full. And if I took this, if I take this over, it's going to have this sort of impact. Mm -hmm. You know, again, it's not that I should, you know, someone comes, if you were in a, like a job and someone says, you know, someone's moving to New York, would you like to take this? You know, we'd like you to take this role. Everything in your, your analytical brain says, wow, it's good for my career. It's the right step. I'm, you know, I'm doing it younger. I'm going to be the youngest person who's ever had this role, whatever, all those things that come from the should. But then just to take that second and say, what's the impact of saying yes? Mm-hmm. What's the impact on the other things? I'm working with a, a guy right now um, who, like a lot of people, he went into a business, built it from the ground up with a couple of other people. And like the big success story is they were bought by a larger company. And big payday. And in this sort of period of they pass the sale, that's all done. The big company's taken over and there's an employment contract that goes for a year, 18 months. What do you do in that time frame? Mm -hmm. You've met your goal. You know, you've done your thing. How do you take that minute and say, oh, what are my strengths now? What is it that I really want to do? And when we were working together earlier this week, what really came out is this is the great time to be a parent for him. This is a time when he wants to coach the teams. You know, he wants to pick up his kid. And after all that, the sort of the velocity of getting in a position to have a growing company that's purchased by a larger company, he didn't get a lot of chance to do that. And I said to him, hey, you know, it's your heart's telling you what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Why not do it? Mm-hmm. Even though society might say, to, to certainly to men, you know, when you're in your 40s, you're going to throttle back to what, spend more time with your kids. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Not that I agree with that because I don't. And how will you get employed when you're in your 50s? Right. <laughs> right. And that's all fear and scarcity based. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, I was, there was a school board, posi- there were some school board positions open and I had some people from the community really trying to get me to be on the school board. And it was rather flattering. And I really had to think about it. And, um, and there, you know, my husband's like, well, you, you, you should do it because, you know, you want to be a contributor to this community. And I thought, if I take this on, I mean, just the running of it, my plate is really full. What, what am I willing to give up? Right. And, and would I be okay with that? And I, ha- and I had to think about it over, I don't know, maybe it was a week or a few days. And I really got down to it. And it was really clear for me that right now was not the right time. And who knows, maybe I'll decide to run at some future point, you know, or maybe when I retire, I'll run. I don't know. 
but at that point, but it was, I had to let go of the whole, everybody saying, you should do it, you should do it, this would be great, da 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 da, to, okay, what again, going back to my capacity, and while I may have strengths in that, there would be something else that would have to shift, and would I be okay with that? And you know, also, when so many people urge you to do something, um, a lot of times, you, I think you have to really be in that still place to to realize or to, to understand, are they projecting? Are they saying that because they think that's what I want to hear? Are they, are they really, they're saying it without any kind of stake? In other words, if someone says, run for Congress and I will work on your campaign, that's different like then, oh, sure, you should run for Congress, right? So it's like when other people are very happy to see you work your ass off, <laughs> you know, they just really are. And so where are they coming from? And where, what's, you know, are they open hearted? Mm-hmm. Are they saying you would be so good at this and I am willing to stand with you every step of the way and support you? Then, then that's something to pay attention to because somebody may be seeing in you a strength that you may be neglecting on your own. And no, one of the people said they would run my campaign for me. <laughs> so, um, but with all of that said, that wasn't, it wasn't the right time or the right fit. Like I had, it had to go through the current filter right? and say, okay, where am I right now? Where do I want to spend my time and energy? Right. You know, and what could have easily happened is my kids would have been sacrificed for that. Right. And I wasn't willing to do that. And that's your priority. I yeah. mean, and that's the other thing is that, you know, I always work with my clients around strengths, values, and priorities. And, you know, my priority for many, many years was to be a good enough parent, which we've talked about before. And still today, even though my children are not here, you know, my son's living in uh, the Boston area, my daughter's in college, I still want to be, you know, a good enough parent. It's just a different kind of parenting now. And, uh, and that's a priority. But back in the day, you know, that meant that when someone said, can you fly to California to give a keynote speech, I would probably say no. Mm-hmm. Where today I say, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't always say sure. To be honest <laughs> with Sometimes I say sure. Sometimes I say, will you please send me more information? Mm-hmm. So. so I want to talk about some, you know, one is just doing what you do best and owning your strengths, right? Understanding what they are. But the other part of it is, People get afraid of putting themselves out there. Girl, that is so true. It's like, because, you know, belonging, being connected, being with are the kind of values that people tell me that majority of people tell me that that's really resonant for them. And it's something that's really important. And so when you put yourself out there, sometimes you put yourselves yourself outside of the pack outside of the group, outside of the community, outside of the belonging. And for a lot of people, that's the scariest part, is being separated from your community. Have you observed that? Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's really hard. It's really hard when you become um, to be separated and or worrying that um, what are the people going to think, right, if you do really put, pursue something. Right. And then we live in this, this age of, you know, trolling and snarky comments that, 
you know, you can put a, you can put something, an offer out, an, an idea out, a blog post out, and you can be pretty sure that some people are going to attack it. Um, you know, especially being in my position, in your position, you know, you could get trolled pretty easily. And I think it takes a sort of that quiet confidence that you said before to understand that that's in the realm of possibility and to do what you need to do anyway. Well, I think as long as you check in and say, am I doing this that's in line with my values? Am I doing this that's in line with my strengths? Right. right? And I'm, how am I showing up? And it takes courage. It takes a lot of bravery to show up because sometimes I'm like, oh, be just so much easier to hide, right? Because what yeah. if I put this up on Facebook and then, and I, I already know who the people are, right? And the start, snarky comments that they'll say, not to me, because that would take too much courage, but they'll say to other people that may know me as well. And I just have to realize that's just what they do. And how do I want to show up? Exactly. And, you know, I'm about to launch a little bit later uh, today, actually, Michelle Woodward University. Just the idea of calling it Michelle Woodward University is like weird, but it seemed like mm-hmm. the right title. And it's a you know series of classes on the thing that I talk about, the things that I talk about the most. And I am pretty sure that there are some people who are going to be like, what's this all about? Mm-hmm. Who does she think she is? She's no freaking expert, whatever. And I, I have been working on this concept for seven or eight months and I've tried a lot of different permutations, a lot of different ways to do it. And this is the way to do it. And I'm launching it and I'm just going to see how it goes. So Michelle, who do you think you are? Um, pretty awesome. Is that the answer you're looking for? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, so tell me, expand okay. upon your question, Squeaky. Well, because there's that, that's, I think, a very common question, right? That we're always, or concern that we always have of the critics. Who does she think she is? She's too much, right? So with that, you know, there's that negative, but the other side is, okay, Michelle, who are you? So, you know, I'm experienced. I'm highly trained. I'm thoughtful. I'm generous. I'm um, wise. And I have... um, born from all the experience that I have, I have ways, I've learned ways and I can teach ways to help people have more success. And when you're teaching these topics, are you teaching topics you don't know anything about? They are totally in my sweet spot. (laughs) And that's the thing. I mean, I, I showed you the list of the classes. I mean, they are the thing that I work with clients on all the time Mm -hmm. and have worked with clients on all the time. So I, I have that level of expertise. And so some someone could, you know, challenge me on that. And that's more about them than it is about me. But again, the bravery of standing up and saying, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. The bravery of saying, I have a, I have something to offer here. That's where I think it takes that deep breath and it has that, the urge to offer it has got to be stronger than the fear of being beat up about it. It, it just, it takes so much courage when I was in college and I was, we always talk about swimming, but it's such a huge part of my life. It was such a great teacher and and I use it to teach so many people now. Um, But I wanted to be a national champion and a coach, one of the guys coaches 
the the men the men's team swim coach. I think my freshman year had said, you know, you should you should become a national coach or a national champion. And I was kind of like, what do you mean? You know, because I don't always start out with very good self confidence, as you know. And I just thought those are for the special people. But it took me a couple years, and I won my junior year. But I was so worried about losing face. Right. Like I grew up with, you never lose face. You never lose face, which I think is kind of an Asian cultural terminology, but that's just what I grew up with. And so I never told anybody. It was a really quiet goal with inside of myself. And I struggled with it. And it's been so interesting to continue my evolution in the swimming world. And I'm really fortunate. I'm around a lot of high level athletes and Olympians and world record holders now. And to be able to see their mindset and then the work that I do in this coaching world. And my husband, you know, will say, okay, this is what we're going to do, right? This is, Haley's trying to make the Olympic team. This is back in 2003, 2004. Okay, so here you go. You know, Scott's trying to make the Olympic team or Mark's trying to make the Paralympic team, right? And, or even Scott with the Olympics in 2012, once he made the team, all of a sudden the conversation was redirected to, okay, when you go and represent the United States, it's about meddling. Now he didn't medal. He got fifth place in a best time. He didn't meddle, but there wasn't like, oh, shame on you, right? And he had really focused, deliberate training going into the Olympics and as a rookie did really well because you don't usually go to a big meet the first time as a rookie and get a best time and he did. But putting yourself out there, so I've watched my husband and all these athletes around me put themselves out there, which has given me more courage to put myself out there and you know say, this is what I want to go after and again, it goes back to the growth mindset. And if you don't get it, it doesn't mean you're a bad person or you're a loser, which is like my default. It just means you didn't get it. Do you want to go, what, what can you learn from it? And then do you want to pursue it again? Or, you know, has it opened up a door to something new? And does that go to validation? Do you know what I mean? In other words, it, it, is the only validation of Scott's path, you know, meddling? Or is the validation in that he got to go to the Olympics as a rookie and he got his best time. Do you know what I mean? It's like we go back, we circle back to what's the conditions of enoughness. Well, and that's where, you know, USA swimming is so strong in the world. I mean, the rest of the world has been catching up and partly because a lot of foreign athletes are coming to our continent to swim um, or to our country. But the media has been really tough. And I don't know if you remember the 92 games when Summer Sanders got pulled, you know, after she raced and she was expected to get a gold and she got a silver. And they said, are you disappointed with that? So the priorities of USA Swimming really look at meddling, you know, and they do all those medal counts on NBC. Right. But, you know, like Scott's really proud of himself. He has, he came up after he raced that night and I looked at his, who's now his wife. She was his girlfriend at the time. And I'm like, and it was my, it was my anniversary. And I looked at her, I'm like, this is either going to be a really bad night or a good night. I go, I just don't know which. And both Scott and my husband were very happy, right? They were proud. Like they knew that they did everything they possibly could and he did the best that he could, and it was good. There, there's no regrets, right? And but I think you have to know, like, there's again, when you have that growth mindset, and you say, okay, this is our goal. That's that's one data point. But are you defining yourself from it, or are you striving for that excellence? And if you don't reach that, you know, the goal was important, Michelle, because a lot of times people in in swimming, this is my area experience, right? When they'll try to qualify for the national championships or they'll qualify for the Olympic team. And then they're so busy celebrating, they forget to like, okay, it's time to get focused. And then they blow up at those meets. They don't, they blow up in a bad way, right? And they don't feel proud of themselves. 
So it's important that once you qualify for whatever it is, once you achieve it, is checking in and going, okay, now that I'm here, now that I'm going, what is it that I would like to achieve? Not that it's a defining, not that it's a way to beat ourselves up, but like, okay, this is what I want to pursue because then you can get motivated, you know, to get up at five o'clock in the morning and say, I'm going to go to practice when you'd rather be sleeping in. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, I have this kind of idea that I go into things with my, my hands open to receive. Right. And so I, I can see where saying, you know, I'm going to go for the gold mm-hmm. is really motivating and gets you out of bed. And also I'm going to show up, be present, you know, do everything I need to do. And I'm going to see what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a different way of doing it to say it's like it's gold or bust or mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to be the most coachable athlete ever. <laughs> I'm going to do everything that they tell me to do. I'm going to do every practice. I'm going to do all the weight training. I'm going to do the right thing in my diet. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to swim my heart out and we we'll see what happens. Well, and I think that's the big thing is that, you know, and there may be some stuff stuff that I'm not um, saying because I'm so close to it, you know, Pete's really about the process. Uh-huh. And, and, and Carol Dweck and growth mindset, it's about the process. But the goal is just kind of the destination, right? Like, okay, we go to the Olympics and here's the goal. And it was never to get a gold medal that was kind of unrealistic. But, you know, like, hey, let's shoot for getting a, a medal, right? A silver or bronze. And then here's also the time that we're looking for. So there were multiple data points. And then here's the process. This is what we have to focus on every day. It's those small choices that we make on a daily basis. And that sometimes people will set these big goals. I mean, you'll hear kids all the time say, I want to be an Olympian. That's my goal. I want to be an Olympian because I want, I want to please you. Right? right. And and that's too big of a goal. It's like, okay, that's your big dream. But what are the things intermediate in between that you're going to use as stepping stones to get there? You know, what other meets are you going to look at? And then when you break down those meets, then how are you going to show up when you have a Friday night, you know, birthday party or your practice? Which one do you choose? Right. And it's those small, I always say it's small hinges can move big doors. Right. But so whether it's in a career, it's in athletics, it's in academics, it's in how we parent, it's those small choices that we make over time that get us the results in our life, whether we want them or not. You know, uh, yesterday I uh, wrapped up a coaching, a six-month coaching with an executive here in Washington who um, was uh, the was sort of professional development to get a coach. And one of the things that the CEO said is that um, this person tends to shut down when there are difficult conversations, and it will look like success when difficult. Um, conversations are no longer derailers. And one of the things that we talked about yesterday was how far this person has come in having difficult conversations. And what I said yesterday is, I'll say again, is it's like opening your mind up that there may be a different way to do it, trying a little bit of that different way each time. And then boom, when you look back in six months, you're like, wow, I handled that most recent difficult conversation completely differently than I would have done last summer. And sometimes it's only in that rear view mirror that you can see how you've changed. Yeah. Because when you're in the middle of it, you know, with the little time, little, a little choice here and a little choice there and a little choice here, 
adds up to that big change that sometimes you can only see when you look backwards. And and that that part becomes really important is you know being able to we've talked about this a ton in our in these conversations together is the reflecting you know looking back and paying attention because sometimes when we're in the muck of it when we're in that messy middle we don't know and sometimes i know for me i'll have my head down and i'm working and all of a sudden i lift up my head up and i'm like oh my gosh i'm so much further along than where i was right but sometimes in the when we're in the muck of things we don't know so we do need to look back and sometimes we need to just remember to be alive and awake. You know, I'm all, am I alive and awake right now? Mm-hmm. Because it's only when you're alive and awake that you can understand who you are, who, what you're good at, and put yourself in that position to to do more of what you're good at. Because if you're just sort of coasting, you're sort of numb, you're sort of like bouncing around like a pinball, it's really hard to be deliberative <laughs> and to create those kind of you know, the kind of life that you want to have. So, you know, sometimes I find myself even, you know, as fabulous as I am, I do find myself sort of walking around slightly unconscious. And it takes a moment, I have to say, woo, time to be a little more alive and awake. No, it's interesting. I mean, I don't think we can be mindful 24 hours a day. I saw a Super Soul Sunday with Oprah, and I don't even know who the guest was, but he was a mindfulness expert. He's written like 37 books on it. And Oprah asked him, she said, so are you mindful all the time? He goes, I'd be, I'm mindful about seven hours a day. And that for me was huge relief that I didn't have to be mindful 24 hours a day. Right. Right. Because I can get into that perfection. And But when we can remind ourselves, I love that to be alive and awake. Because do you think many people are really awake? No. I think a lot of people, you know, as Brene Brown would say, they're armored up mm-hmm. and you're, they're armored up and, and the armor is very heavy. And um, a lot of times their environments, whether it's their family life, their work life, their personal life, whatever, does not encourage being alive and awake. It encourages compliance and, uh, you know, behavioral median and so to be alive and awake sometimes means you you have to challenge the status quo. In other words, we're not going to just eat on TV trays in front of the TV again tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to take a walk or we're going to, you know, I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to I'm going to sit at the, in the dining room. Whatever whatever it is, but it it requires you to be alive and awake, which sometimes is a challenge to the status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to be with yourself. I love this. Um, wrapping up the show on this is reminding the listeners about being alive and awake and about checking in and realizing like Michelle Woodward, as awesome as you are, even you aren't alive and awake all the time. It is very hard to be alive and awake in the salad dressing row at the grocery store. I am just <laughs> saying. But but yeah, so it, and so it is... It is alive and awake to yourself and alive and awake to your environment and alive and awake to other people. Um, that to me is where the juiciness comes in. That's where it's really happy to be alive. I love it. Well, Michelle, it was wonderful again, even with my squeaky voice to talk with you. So thank you for coming back. You're welcome. And, you know, stop smoking cigarettes all the time. <laughs> I hope you feel better. And, you know, every month I say this, but it's, so true. These are the best conversations ever. And um, 
you know, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do it with you every month. Oh, I'm very grateful to do this with you every month. It's, I love where my brain goes. I love having these conversations and then, and it helps so many people. So it's like a triple whammy. And now I have to go read nice things about me on iTunes. So <laughs> there you go. I have to go now. <laughs> I'm back. So doing what you do best, I really invite you to own your strengths, own them. It can be in a quiet confidence. It doesn't need to be out there. Look at me, look at me. I'm so amazing but own it with yourself. I mean, own your story with you. Haven't you earned the right to hear you being proud of yourself and what you're good at? And notice it. Don't discount. People used to ask me all the time, like, how do you get guests on your show? And I would discount it. You know, like, of course, anybody could do it. But when I really started to unpack it and look at what was underneath, that's how I was able to do it. And it's not something that everybody can do. Because a lot of times we have fear about putting ourselves out there and we allow that fear to stop us. And it's really about overcoming the fear. You know, what is the voice of the fear? What is it going to say? Well, in that case of asking people to be guests on my show, they could say no, they could not answer back. Okay. It's not so horrible. I mean, it's not, there's, there's not like you're a horrible person, but we make these really mean stories in our head. Or maybe it's about putting yourself out there at the hardware store. This is an incident that actually came up this week with a client and asking for help. And you think, but you have this internal belief of, I shouldn't have to ask for help. I'm going to look stupid. What if I'm doing it wrong? What if I'm asking a stupid question? There are no stupid questions. And if somebody's irritated because you're asking for help at a hardware store, generally they are paid to help you that's part of the service of when you go. Maybe you can tell me where I'm wrong, but that's been my experience. At least that's my belief. And I guess why I don't have a problem asking for help. And then I want to circle back to when Michelle and I were talking about the armor and how people wear armor. And, you know, we're not alive and awake like she was mentioning. And I think this is so important because we armor ourselves up. And usually it's because we don't want people to see our dark sides. We just want to see, it's like, if I look perfect, if I act perfect, if I have it all together, then I'm going to finally be safe. They're going to like me. But really think about it. The people who really, really like you, they want to love all of you and know that you're just not this perfect person. It's kind of the Stepford Stepford wife. And now doesn't mean that everybody gets to know all of your so-called, you know, we call it dirty laundry. But really, what is this dark side? I had a client say to me, well, it's the ugly and broken side. And I go, well, what is it? And I said, can we look at it differently? And I actually brought up the dark side. What if it's our dark side? We all have a light and a dark side. You can't have light without shadows. It just doesn't work that way. So understanding that and saying, this is all of me and you loving all of you. There are some great things about me and there are things that I do that aren't so great. And I work on, notice I say work on loving all of me. My family loves all of me. My husband, he knows everything. He knows it all, right? The great things and the not so great things. And he loves me. My kids know me and they know when I lose it and when I'm in, but they also know that I'm ultimately there for them. They love all of me. Even as teenagers, they may not like me, but they do love all of me. I got a little reassurance last night. So noticing 
the armor and how you armor up. Notice, like I spend so much time in the watcher mode where I'm a compassionate observer. And I also notice that when people armor up, what happens with me is I have this go-to instinct to armor up as well. It's like, oh, really? Because <laughs> one of my favorite shame shields is the inner gladiator, which I'm going to be doing a mini-sode about. But so I armor up, I puff up too, because it's like, I'm not going to let you hurt me, right? And, but when, when I armor up my heart, you don't get to see the best of me. And I was thinking about it this morning um, that whether it's with the show or with my clients, you, I really do allow you to see me because I can be a bit standoffish in person because I am shy and I do put armor up. And here you've been with me for how long? Some of you, you know, nine years and my clients and you get to see all of me, my faults, right? I'm pretty much, I do own my stuff. And also you get to hear my heart and my dreams, but it's all of me. And I do know that's what the listeners you guys really, really like is hearing the real. So I invite you when you go ahead and be alive and awake, own your whole story and love yourself through the process. And if there's an area that you're like, oh, I want, I want to do better at that then you learn about how to do better. So maybe it's, I want to dress better. Okay, learn how to do that. You know, for me, a few years ago, I wanted to learn how to cook because I was tired of being this victim about food, right? And thinking, oh, I had to rely on other people when my husband would travel, which he does quite a bit, and or go, to, go out to eat. It was like, well, what if I could just cook? How could I make it easier for myself? And it was so empowering to do that. And asking for help, asking friends, who weren't going to judge me to do teaching basic teaching lessons in cooking. And I had my group of people, right? So it's the same concepts that I've talked so often about on the show through various interviews or mini-sodes, but going back to that. So when you're willing to put yourself out there, you're going to be afraid, but you do it anyways, because you're going to be courageous and afraid at the same time when you go into your arena, whatever it is of putting yourself out there, of doing doing your work that's so important to you or doing, you know, doing meaningful work. And it doesn't have to be paid work. Maybe it's being the parents. Maybe it's about volunteering, you know, however it is that you want to show up and be seen. Putting yourself out there knowing you're going to be a bit scared, but then doing it anyway and overcoming that fear. I've talked a lot on the show about overcoming fear and understanding when you have that fear, that's an emotion. What are the thoughts that are creating that fear? What are the stories in your head? And it's usually we're afraid of what other people will think, right? Even when there's nobody around. I was just in a situation where I was with somebody and they're like, well, I don't want them to see me park. And, and we were in an empty parking garage. I go, who, who would see you? <laughs> there's nobody here except for me. And it was, well the people in my head. And it's so often it's the people in our head that are imaginary. And aren't you tired of <coughs> living small because of the people in your head or because of maybe the critics that you know who are very vocal in private situations yet don't have the courage to be honest with you face to face? Are those the people that you're going to give your power to so that you're, you don't do what you're best at? and you don't put yourself out there. The growth mindset that we so often talk about here is about willing to put yourself out there. It's about willing to learn. It's about willing to fail. And we can talk. I know people who talk the best. 
about failing, but then really struggle with it, right? Because it's that losing face. It can be such a shame trigger. And I know even with myself, and I just always remind myself like, okay, this is the messy middle. This is what it is. There's a lot of drama in my head, right? And it's okay. And what can I learn from this? Instead of, Corinne, what the hell's wrong with you? That is not compassionate. Doing your best and doing what you do best. Own your story. Understand you have both a light and a dark side. Know what your capacity is. Know what your values and your strengths are. Being mindful, or as Michelle says, alive and awake. And know that fear is going to be a part of it. You don't do all this practice. You don't go to the Olympics and then there's not like, there is there is some fear, right? There There's adrenaline. There's that, oh my gosh, why am I doing this, right? There always are any time we're going to challenge yourself and see what we're capable of. And that's the beauty of it. Challenges can be fun. We also don't, just like we can't be mindful 24 hours a day, we don't want to challenge ourselves 24 hours a day. There's down times that we want to have, or there's a day after in the week we want to have. So understanding that, knowing what your fears are and knowing that you can be afraid and courageous at the same time and be awesome and be crazy because I am. <laughs> so I'm smiling big for you guys. I want to do a shout out. I love, love, love these iTunes reviews. So thank you so much. I am asking that if you leave them, shoot me an email at hello at how she really does it. So I know who you are. I love a picture because I'm a very visual person. Again, rated G pictures people, but I love a picture. And if you want to tell me your story or you can connect, there's a, on my website, there's a, your story, tell me your story and let me know about you. That just, I love that. I love knowing about the listeners. So Leanne, thank you so much. You're, I just read your, uh, your review on iTunes and you're so excited and I just got so excited reading it. So thank you so much for taking the time and you guys come to the website at how she really does it and join. I'm building my new website's going to be coming out soon or it may be out by the time this show comes out and I'm creating a community there. And when you sign up, you'll be able to have a members only area. So I'm really excited once that gets going. I've been, been a work in progress since the fall since September or August. So this has been a long time work in progress. So go to howshereallydoesit.com, sign up for the newsletter. And when the new site gets finished, that will be your membership to the site and it's free. Thank you so much for listening today. And one thing I invite you to do is know yourself, be yourself and love yourself. Smiling big. Take care. Drifting, never been so wild.